All right, let's get our Bibles out today, and uh, let's take a moment this morning to pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity now to, to study your word. We believe that you're speaking to our hearts, you're directing our steps and ordering our lives. And uh, we ask that each one today would be in a position, give them eyes, give them eyes to see and ears to hear, and a heart that's open and receptive unto your word and to your ways and all that you would do here today. Thank you for your grace, what is sufficient in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody, we've been talking uh, about faith for finances. We've been in this series, and I want to share a few things more with you today. Uh, through this whole series, it's been uh, really impressed upon my heart not just to uh, do an exhaustive study on what the Bible has to say about money or prosperity or finances, but re- really to be uh, uh, specific in what I say. And, and, and that's what I've ende- in, endeavored to do. And, and the Lord has helped us a lot, and I know everyone's coming expecting good things, and that's really making a difference, and it's helping us to say the right thing at the right time. And the Lord's already given us revelation, shown me things that I hadn't seen before. Uh, I've been able to say things I've never said before in this series, and because of this, I know people are in various circumstances, situations, some are struggling, and you need answers. And uh, again, there's a lot to say about any subject, but what do you need to hear today? And what, what do you need to have revealed to you so you can walk in it? And that's the way I've been seeking the Lord, and, and, and He's been helping us. And He's given me some more instructions and direction for today, all right? And not necessarily that it's brand new to everyone, but it's specific as to what we need to do and what people need to have in place in their life. Whenever a person is in faith for finances, uh, they are at rest, all right, it's important for us to understand what this looks like. If I'm really trusting God, I'm not worrying, I'm not in fear, I'm not pulling out my hair, I'm not, uh, you know, just at my wit's end. I actually get to a place where I'm at rest, I'm at peace, I am trusting in Him. Everybody understand that's how faith works, and, uh, and faith for finances is no different. However, we do understand this, uh, that faith is typically it results in a person being active in something. The end result of us trusting and believing God is not a long nap on the couch. The end result of us trusting God is actually putting our hand to something. It's just not doing it in our own efforts. Uh, But when we see from the Word of God, Hebrews 11, for example, talks about many of the great heroes of faith. They weren't people who sat around and did nothing. They were always people who overcame great obstacles. They did great things by trusting in the Lord's supernatural power and provision and ability to deliver. All right, And so in our lives, as we are trusting Him and we're at rest, we're not stressing out, we're not, uh, not losing sleep, no, we rest in the Lord, we trust in Him, but we're also, of course, looking for something to act on. As He leads us, He's given us steps to take, given us things to do, and uh, in that activity, those are, what's called, those are what are called steps of faith, right? They're not just steps. They're not just, well, we've got to stay busy. Well, you've got to stay busy doing the right thing. And those steps of faith are acting on those uh, opportunities that come from Him, those leadings of the Lord that come into our lives. You, you might recall Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3 says, And whatever He does shall prosper. It's not just uh, about believing and resting and not putting our hand to anything, but it's being directed by the Lord as to what we should put our hand to. And then when we're involved in something, whatever we do, it works. It's successful. It's prosperous because the Lord is all about that. Praise God. Amen. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like this. I'm not so much seeking 
the Lord's blessing on my life, which I know as a believer that's true. Uh, but I'm wanting to know, Lord, what are you doing that I can get involved with? What are you leading me? And what is, what is already inherently blessed of you so I can connect? All right. And then whatever I do, of course, uh, the Scripture said will prosper in that situation. But one of the primary acts of faith that we get involved with in our lives has to do with what we say. Now, I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it has to do with what we say. It's one of the primary acts of faith. When I believe something is happening, that needs to come out of my mouth. And in seeking the Lord as to what I should share, I don't want anyone to think, oh, I know that stuff about the power of words. Listen, there's a real strong component here to enabling a person to step over into a place of provision. And oftentimes what they say either expedites that move or it keeps them out of it. It's really a powerful truth here, okay? But I really believe that the Lord wanted me to talk to you about this, all right? Specifically about uh, what you say and what, you, and, and what comes out of your mouth. Look at verse 13, 2 Corinthians 4. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So believing the right thing causes a person to speak. It's because of what I believe that I'm preaching the gospel, that I'm speaking the word of God to you. My belief compels me to do something. So when I've got my heart right and and when I say right I don't mean righteous it is righteous before God but when I've got the right things in my mind when I'm thinking straight concerning my finances it will compel me to say the right things about them Uh, but many people undo their faith by saying everything they see and feel and and just be repeating things they've been accustomed to saying it's just been a a normal uh, habit in their life to let the wrong thing come out of their mouth. I was with a group the other day and, and some people and, and one person was talking and they were just sharing some things that were kind of unknown to another person in the group and kind of surprising and the other person responded. He said, he said, well, I'll be damned. And I thought, you will? <laughs> now, he didn't know I was thinking that, but I thought, what a bad habit (laughs) how in the world did that get in our vernacular to say i'll be damned (laughs) cursed Uh, i mean isn't that kind of a bad thing to say i don't ever want to be that but why isn't it that we kind of naturally gravitate towards just kind of just shooting the breeze and we're just talking we hear something surprising we say well i'll be blessed well, I'll be blessed. <laughs> Why don't we say things like that? I really believe that the devil has infiltrated the, the, the language of our culture to get people to not even think about it, yet license his work, yet accept what he wants to do in their life. That's damnation. It's cursing. It's all kinds of negative stuff, and people just spew it out hardly even thinking anything about it, not knowing that their mouth is one of the most powerful weapons that they have in their life. 
And this person said that, and, and I thought, no, no, no. I, the Bible doesn't tell me that. that. You know, that I've been cursed with all spiritual curses, cursings in heavenly places in Christ. No, no, just the opposite. So he said, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing, right? And, and that's the kind of language I want to come out of my mouth. And, uh, and those are the things that have got to be in my heart. I've got to understand this so that it will be a natural way for me to speak. The Christian life has been called the great confession. Have you ever heard that? You know, one of the things that is, that is a hallmark about a person who gives their life to the Lord is that they begin to talk differently than they did before. You've probably noticed that in your own life. The moment you gave your life to the Lord, there's certain things you stopped saying. Certain words you stopped using. Certain things that did just really... I'm telling you, what you say is one of the primary changes that takes place in a person's life. Because when that changes, the rest of your life begins to change. It takes you on a new course. And I've noticed that over the years, uh, I've had to change repeatedly in that area. And continually, and still as I get revelation and understanding... uh, I just start saying things different. Amen. You know, like I heard someone say a while back, uh, they said they, they told about something that stood out like a healed thumb. And I, li- I listened, I thought, I like that. <laughs> so I adopted that. Now that's my saying. <laughs> Why? I just think healed is better than sore. I just think rich is better than poor. I think healthy is better than sick. I think happy is better than sad. And so I want to do whatever I can in my life to let my words reflect what I believe is good, what I believe is right. Amen. And if I really believe those things, why say the opposite? Amen. Someone said, that's kind of silly. Well, you say whatever you want. I'm just telling you what I say. I'm just telling you the way I want my mouth to uh, be aligned with the Word of God so that His will can come to pass in my life. If that's not a conviction for you, that's why you're here today. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And so our belief causes us to speak, whether good or bad, about ourselves and to speak to others about what we believe. I think that's what he's saying there. He said, I believe, we believe, therefore we speak. When I really know something, I can't let my mouth be quiet. I've got to let you know the truth. And, and, uh, and that, that's how this works in our lives. Now, back to our, our main focus here is faith for finances. That's the subject of our series here. How does this play in? I'm going to have a real difficult time saying what God says or saying the truth about my finances and Him being my provider and all that if I think wrong concerning finances. First of all, I need to to understand money the way God does. Natural provision, my sustenance in life, physically speaking, as God does. You know, things like the, the Lord doesn't say that money is evil. Did you know that? The Word of God tells us that the love of money is evil. But it doesn't say money is evil. I don't want to have that, that thinking towards physical things or money. Usually, you, well, you get that. You don't get that in the world. You get that in church, right? But I don't want to have that kind of thinking, oh, that's evil. No, it's not. No. Uh, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. And if we'll use these things for good, they can be a major blessing in our lives. And it can be a help to other people. And so if it were up to me, if I could just control the world, I would take all the money away from the bad people and I would give it all to godly people. And the world would change overnight. Yeah, yeah. Because people wouldn't have any money to do their bad stuff. And yet all the people who just love God and want to do what's right, uh, they would have money to do that. Would that be a good plan? I believe that is God's plan. 
Didn't the scripture even say the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just? Let's make sure we don't have, have the wrong mentality concerning things that, that, that keep God's plan from being uh, manifest in our own personal lives. But again, money and things, they're simply a tool. It's a servant to us. It's not something we serve. We don't revere money or large sums of money. The Lord is not impressed with large sums of money. He's not, a, he, he's not really concerned about how much things cost. He didn't, when you came along and made Jesus the Lord of your life and, and, and God had a plan for you even before you did that, uh, he didn't think, well, I would like them to do this, this, and this. However, that's really expensive. We're going to have to take that one back. Well, let's just give them one thing to do because they'll be able to afford that. The Lord does not think that way. He, he doesn't call us to, to have a church here and, and reach uh, thousands of people and give us a great vision and think, well, but, you know, property can be expensive. You know, buildings cost a lot. Maybe we better just scale back. We'll do a couple Bible studies. No, 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 no. What we think oftentimes, and things are big in our minds, they're not that way to the Lord. And we need to adopt His mentality. You need to adopt His mentality for your life. Don't revere large sums of money. When you hear of someone doing something great, building something great, giving large sums of money that you've never even come close to, don't go, oh, wow. I would encourage you to respond more like, that'll be me one of these days. Why? Don't cap your life with, with, with small thinking. Don't revere money. And think, it's, you know, it's so whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to give it that much respect. I want it to be a tool. I want it to be something I use in life. I want to be able to use lots of it because this world speaks the language of money. Amen. And we'll use it for the glory of God. Okay? And so we've got to rid ourselves of poor thinking. And, and so I, I've, I've written down a few things that I think are indicators of poor thinking. It's one of those things like you might have a problem if. And so I want you to think, consider these thoughts with me here today. And, uh, and I don't know anything. No one told me ahead of time about your life. <laughs> People get nervous sometimes if I use an example and that's you. Well, we're not throwing any stones. You're just the Lord's helping you to come up. Amen. But you might have poor thinking if you always complain about how, how much everything costs. Every time you go to the store, I can't believe how much they charge for these things. Every time you go out to eat, ah, this is just so expensive. Can't believe how much it costs to go out to eat these days. Uh, you got to get it, buy a new car, and ah, these cars are so expensive. <laughs> a person who thinks rich, who thinks prosperous, who thinks God is my provider, is not focused on how much everything costs. Because it doesn't really matter. If this is the right thing to do, the money is not an issue. Amen. Amen. And so you've got to watch yourself. If you find yourself complaining, everything's so expensive. Everything's this, this, and this. Uh, God's on the throne. I don't know if you like that one, so I'll give you another one. <laughs> but you might have a problem in this area if you save a lot of useless junk. Your house, your garage, your car, your trunk, your glove compartment. Your <laughs> everywhere you go, you just got... You, you just got junk everywhere. I mean, useless stuff, but you can't let go of it because I might need it someday. 
I can't get rid of that. I paid a lot of money for that. Yeah, but you know how electronics go? <laughs> it's not worth anything anymore. <laughs> but people get all kinds of clutter and they build up stuff. And a lot of it is out of fear. Because that poor thinking in their mind says, if I ever have to buy that again, that's going to cost me money, so I've got to hang on to it. Even though they'll probably never use it, and if they ever do need it, they won't be able to find it because it's piled up underneath a bunch of other junk that they're never going to use. But you find a lot of junk just building useless stuff in their lives. And, uh, you know, you go over you go over to their house, and you're talking to them in the front yard, and you're kind of wondering what's around the back there, and you're looking looking around the house, and you realize they've got like a car lot back there. <laughs> and you say, I didn't know you were in auto sales. You've got a busy, oh no, those are just my old cars. <laughs> Why do you have them? Why don't you bring them out here and drive? Well, they don't work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's kind of holding on to useless junk, and they think, well, I might need a part from that someday. Well, I thought you believed that God was your supplier. If you're really going to need a part, you know they have an auto parts store. You can clean up your yard, get all this stuff out of the way, and if you ever need one, you could buy one. (laughs) But their poverty thinking, that poor mentality keeps them from ever spending money. They think, I don't want to spend the money when I've got it here. Listen, you're thinking like a poor person. You say, God's my support source and my supply, but your action and your, your, your mindset is keeping it from coming to you. Amen, like the people who save the bread bags. We've known people who save the bread bags. And, uh, you know, well, why? Because that's a valuable bag right there, huh? You don't, you don't have to buy that little box of bags. You've already got them. Or the bread ties. you got to save those, right? You don't really have to save that kind of stuff. In fact, I counsel you today. <laughs> Throw it away. Everybody with me? Saving extra junk. Just out of this thought, I'm going to need it someday. I've got to have that someday. This is a, this is a value. That's not how, uh, how a wealthy-minded person thinks and operates. They don't let their lives get cluttered down with junk. Amen. Sometimes parents will say to their kids when they're eating dinner and they want them to eat all their food, you've got to eat all your food because there are people starving in CUNA. Right? (laughs) I mean, in Africa. Uh, (laughs) But but think think about the thought. There, There are people starving, so you've got to eat all your food. Does that make sense? No. What does that do? That builds into the kid a mentality that... If you're blessed and someone else is not, you should feel guilty. You should feel bad about it and eat all that. Listen, think about that. One person's blessed, one's not, but the person who is blessed feels bad about their life. That basically makes two unblessed people. That's not the, the plan of God. That's not the way he wants us to operate. Where if I have something someone else doesn't, if I'm supposed to give to someone else, we were all about that, right? We're givers. We want to help. But just because I have something, someone on the other side of the planet doesn't, doesn't mean that I'm going to feel guilty about every bite. And I'm full, but I think I've got to eat it all. Because me being fat really going to help them. <laughs> all it's going to do is send us both to the grave sooner, right? 
<laughs> because I felt guilty about having something. No, you ought not feel guilty about the blessing of God. You ought to be in a position, be happy about it, enjoy it, and be a blessing to someone else wherever you can, wherever the Lord would lead you. Okay? Amen. Sometimes, sometimes people, they get in this, uh, this mindset where uh, they're so, again, it's so poor thinking, but they've got to use the last drop of everything they have. You know that ketchup bottle? You've got to have it standing upside down for days to make sure that the clear part is absolutely shiny clean. There's not one speck of red, and it's all dropped into the bottom so you can use that and not waste it. You know, that toothpaste tube that you've been squeezing on for the last two weeks, there's at least one more brushing in there, isn't there? And they're fighting it and fighting it. And... Well, listen, the Lord is the one who runs the cup over. Remember Psalm 23? If he runs it over, that means some kind of runs out onto the floor and maybe goes into the drain. And while some might say, oh, waste, the Lord says abundance. He says more than enough. It's his way of, of approaching life, and we ought to think that way too. I'm not just scrounging. Now, you know, uh, if uh, you're having a hamburger and there's no more ketchup in the house, well, I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's either, you know, you've got to run to the store, so you might as well get every drop out of that. But... Uh, <laughs> But I'm talking as an overarching way of thinking where we're just scrounging around for, well, we're just so afraid of any little thing uh, supposedly going to waste. I don't call that waste because I don't believe we should leg- literally waste stuff. We should be good stewards. But that's one of the problems that, that some people have. They defend their poor thinking by calling it good stewardship. I just, I'm just being a good steward of all this stuff. No, you're not. You just think poor. You just don't trust that God will come through for you next week so you're holding on to everything. Amen. Sometimes some of the verbiage that comes out of people's mouth is, uh, you know, like the, the, the saying, I can't afford it. I don't like to use that language. I don't like to say, I can't afford it. As, as far as a, a, a continual and ongoing phraseology, every time I see something I want, oh, we can't afford that. No, 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 I just don't want to say that. I don't want to put that lid on my life. Because it's not a matter of the, the thing. That's no big deal to God. He's not impressed. It's not a matter of how much it costs. It's a matter of my mentality. And I don't want to cap that kind of stuff. What, what, is that, what, what does that do uh, for, for me as a pastor if I, if I think that way? I'm going to have a hard time believing God for, to reach more people and to increase in facilities and, and tools that are necessary to reach them. Well, that you know, we could never afford that. Yes, we can. Amen. Hmm. So someone sees a, uh, you know, a nice car drive by, and they think, oh, I could never afford one of those. Stop that. I would never spend that kind of money on a car. Well, why would you say that? Oh, I would never spend $200 on a shirt. Well, why wouldn't you? I'd never spend $500 on a pair of shoes. I, I, I don't say that kind of stuff except for illustration purposes. I don't talk that way. Why? Even if I'm not at a certain level, I don't want to put that lid on me. It's not God who's doing it. He's not the one who's freaking out over how much stuff costs. It's only poor-minded people. I've known those who you want to give them something, maybe a nice piece of jewelry or or some nice clothes, and, and, and they can't receive it because it's too good. It's too nice. Why? Their mind has been capped with poor 
And they think, I've got to live with the bare minimums. That's not how the Lord thinks. It is really not. And we've got to raise our, our, our mindset concerning uh, some of these issues. Praise the Lord. Uh, one person told me, he said, I'll, years ago, he said, I'll never have a new car in my life. And I thought, oh, I will. <laughs> I didn't even say that, but I just, that's the way I think. And I just don't know why someone would say something like that. I mean, I know, well, I don't want to eat the depreciation. Fine, I'll eat it. I'll give it to you when the warranty wears off. <laughs> I'm not telling you you got to go out and buy a new car. I'm telling you, you do whatever you want to do. I'm just saying, why do we think that we can never be at certain levels as if it's somehow evil? It's somehow bad. Some, no, that's, it's all about where we're at right here. And I don't want to think that way. Amen. You know, when parents will tell their kids when they want something, not they want some kind of toy or some something, they'll say, what do you think, we're made of money? <laughs> That's sending the wrong message. Hmm. I don't want to say, well, you can't have, you, I mean, we, we might tell our kids, no, you're not going to have that for whatever reason, or maybe you're not going to have it now, but I'm never going to put this lid on their minds like, oh, you can never have that. That's just not us. Our fa- we don't we don't buy stuff that's that expensive. We don't buy stuff that's that nice. No, I'm going to say, hey, you want that? I don't see why you can't have it. I'm not going to get it for you right now, but I'll believe God with you. We'll pray. You, you believe God can give that to you? And you immediately take the lid off their lives and they see, God with God all things are possible. He can provide that. And watch what happens when it shows up in their life. Hey, hey, hey got a revelation of the goodness and abundance of who our God really is instead of this poor thinking that we pass down from generation to generation. Amen. You know, uh, 3 John verse 2, why don't you look at that with me? Even though some of you know it. I know it too and I'm going to look at it. 3 John in verse 2, this is the principle here that we're talking about. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health, but notice that last phrase, just as your soul prospers, just as your what? Your soul, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, he said you're going to prosper, and you're going to be in health, as your soul prospers, that means simply, I've got to have the right thinking, I've got to have prosperous thinking, if I'm going to have prosperity in my life. And if I'm saying, oh, the Lord meets my needs, but then I think exactly like a person who doesn't have a God, a person who doesn't have any, anything in life, then I'm restricting, I'm restraining myself from walking in God's best. How can we say that God is our provider yet continually talk as if we don't have one? Or, 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 or talk as if we're on our own? Your words are a snare to you. They're holding you back and keeping you in lack. Amen. There are some who have money. I, we had a relative who was, who was worth millions and could access millions cash. But this person would never uh, allow themselves to enjoy anything. They couldn't get themselves to buy stuff except for at secondhand stores. And, uh, and, and just really wouldn't buy nice things. Why? Had millions. 
not my suggestion that it just get blown and wasted, no. But to enjoy things is a godly principle. It absolutely is, but that mentality keeps people out of the fullness of what he wants. You know, 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, uh, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain certain riches, but in the living God. Isn't that what we're talking about in all this? The money isn't the issue. The trust in God is the issue. My faith in Him is more important than anything. More important than any material thing. My faith in Him. He said, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. What does the Lord want you to, to do with things that you have? Enjoy them. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad about it. Now, not saying be wasteful. We, sh- we need to honor God and do right with what we have. But never are we to feel condemned or guilty. We should enjoy the things that we have. It is the blessing of God. Amen. And so, when it comes to these uh, issues, I want to get back to our words. This is what the Lord stirred in my heart to say to you today. What we say can be an act of faith that receives God's grace. He has made provision, but a key part of this being operative and manifest in our lives is what we say about it. If I say things that are contrary to what the Lord says about my financial needs, then I'm basically putting up a wall, keeping them away from me. But when I say the same thing as, that's what the word confess means in the Bible. Greek word homologeo means to say the same thing. All right. When I say the same thing that God says about my situation, my finances, then it comes to pass. Then it happens in me. You, you might remember Romans chapter 10. And verse 10, everybody wrote Romans 10, 10. You should know that verse if you don't yet. It says, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Notice, confession is made unto salvation. Does your confession make salvation a reality? Salvation exists whether I say anything or not. Salvation has been given and provided by the Lord. When I confess, it's taking me into it or allowing it to come into my life, however you want to say that. But my confession is unto that salvation. It exists independent of what I do, but when I get it in my mouth, it happens in me. That principle Concerning salvation, the most important thing, works with every blessing of God, every spiritual thing that He has provided. He has done it. He has given. And I confess myself into it. In other words, when I get in my mouth what God has in His mouth, it all of a sudden becomes a reality in my life. And that's concerning your salvation. That's concerning your prosperity and anything else, anything else that God has promised us. Everybody with me on this? See, the, the Lord wants us to be saying the right thing so his provision can be manifest in our lives. There is a, a guy many of you know, a man of God named Joe Morris. Uh, he's our friend, and he, he's, a, he's a minister, a man of God. And, and he had a time years ago where he was having some financial uh, struggles and some lack. And he was on the road traveling, and uh, he was in his hotel room one day, and an angel shows up. That's convenient, huh? Uh, an angel shows up standing there right in front of him. 
He looks at him. The angel doesn't say a thing. He said the angel was very, you know, looked very businesslike in what he was there. But the angel didn't say, say a thing. He said, but I knew that the angel was there to hear words from me. It wasn't that the Lord sent the angel to give him a message. The Lord sent the angel to get a message from Joe. He knew I was supposed to give that angel words. So he said, my God supplies all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And the angel disappeared. And a few days later, all the finances came in. Do you know that that's true not only when an angel is manifest, but most of their work is behind the scenes? And that's true whether you have an experience like that or not. But I kind of wonder sometimes, I have to speculate a little here. I wonder if Joe would have looked at him and said, what are you doing here? <laughs> or, or, hey, what's up? <laughs> How, what would the angel do? I mean, he didn't have a message for him, so maybe he just would have disappeared that way too. Or if he would have said, it's nice to see you, but I don't have any money. I mean, I'm supposed to be doing the work of God, but I'm broke. I mean, I need more money, so this is not going to work. What would he have done? I tell you, the angel wouldn't have had anything to act on. He wouldn't have had, had anything to go on. And so what do, they, what do they do in those situations? I have a feeling there's a lot of angels waiting for you to say something. Waiting for me to say what God says about my finances. To speak God's promises so they've got something to bring to pass. Amen. You see, what we say not only can be a disruption in our faith, not only is it a crippler of what we believe, it is also something that sets in motion the work of God in our lives. When we say it, things start happening. Basically, let, let, me, let me start to, let me finish these things up. God's not making American currency in heaven. So it's not going to come fluttering down when you have a need. But things are in this world system. You and I are working in this world's economy and this world's financial system. And so it's all going to come from here. Doesn't mean that God's not the source behind what comes to us. But it's in this system. And who... Who's involved in this in this world that we don't like? Remember that guy with the tail? <laughs> Pitchfork? Satan is called the god of this world. This is the domain that he is influencing people in, including money. All right? And so when I'm dealing with this and I'm really in faith, trusting God to meet my needs and su supply for my life, what do I need to, de to do? If you want to go one, two, three, go like this. Number one, lay hold of what belongs to you, what's been promised to you. And, so, and, and that's what you can believe for. You claim those things out of this world system. This is where they're at. They're not in heaven. Two, you, uh, you command Satan to take his hands off your finances. 
Because this is where he operates. This is where he tries to slow you down, keep you in, in debt and in need and under credit card junk and all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to just say, I'm just going to simply say, Satan, take your hands off my money. In Jesus' name, I command you to do it. And what has happened? The Bible says, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He'll run from you as if in terror. He'll tuck his little red tail between his legs. And he, he, he is out of there when you mention the name of Jesus. He remembers that whooping he took. And three, I'm going to say, angels, ministering spirits. Remember Hebrews says they're ministering spirits sent forth for those, not to those, but for those who shall be heirs of salvation. They're here to minister for us. They're here to do stuff for us. Angels go and cause the money to come. Angels go and cause the finances to come. And I'm just going to thank the Lord. Praise God. Because they're looking. When I say what God says, angels have something to work with. When I, when I speak fear and doubt and the opposite of what God is saying and doing, what are they going to do with that? They can't bring that to pass. So we decommission them. But when I speak the word of God, thank you, Lord. Things are released. Things are, things are loosed in our lives that are supposed to be operating and flowing freely. But there is spiritual hindrance to stuff. I'm telling you, there are spiritual hindrances. that We can stop them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes I've seen when we've ministered to uh, sick people. And we, we lay hands on, minister to them, power of God goes into them, symptoms disappearing right and left, but someone comes with a condition like cancer or, or, or a heart condition, and, and the power of God goes right into them, and they have immediate, uh, they not only believe, but they have a physical uh, something that's changing their body too. But then a few minutes later, they'll come and talk to you, and they'll start talking about my cancer, about my diabetes, about my cancer, about, or about my back problem. And it's like, ah, don't you do that. You don't get rid of it by praying the prayer of faith, speaking the word of God, and doing that well. And as soon as you're done, you go right back out there with your mouth and pull it right back. And immediately call it mine again. We don't get in faith in church. I say we don't. This is ideal. We don't get in faith and trust him concerning our financial lives. But then as soon as we go out, oh, what am I going to do? Oh. I just can't seem to get a job. There's just no jobs out there. I mean, there's just people are struggling, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And people just start running their mouths, acting like God's not even there, acting like that great prayer they prayed, and they cried and lift their hands, and it was inspired, and woohoo, and it was glorious, and now it's like it never even happened. All it's doing is called we get our eyes back on this junk and off of the Lord and off of His Word and His promises. Let's just keep it on there. Your thoughts will come to your mind. Sure, that's the nature of how this works. You pull it back and say, but God is faithful. Oh, thank you, Lord. I refuse to worry and fear. I rest in you. Looking for direction. As soon as he, I get something, I'm going to act on that. And I'm going to take steps of faith. But I'm not going to go back into saying, I'm in trouble. I'm never in trouble. Why am I not in trouble? Because I believe God. He's never going to let me down. He loves me more than I love him. <laughs> That's amazing. And he's more lovable. <laughs> but he absolutely does. It's because of who he is, not because of who I am. Someone said, well, what do I do now? Okay, I've done that. What do I do now? Nothing. 
Stop trying to add something to God's finished work. If he leads you, then you act on that. That's a step of faith. It's not just a step of work. You act on the promptings. Faith people are doers. They're actors. They're, so, they're people who put things into motion. But I'm not looking to add anything else. I'm trusting him. It's a good place to be. I rest in him. And when he speaks on it, when he speaks to me, I act on it, period. Amen. But I want to encourage you this, this week. Uh, have the word of God in your mouth. We'll say something here in a minute. But I want you to speak the word of God. Say what God says about your, your life and your condition. Don't say what you see and feel. Or uh, When you catch yourself just repeating junk that you've probably said for years, put your hand on your mouth. Say, oh, no, 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 that's not what I believe any longer. I don't believe that anymore. And begin to say what the Lord says. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud after me today. I believe that my God is able and He is willing to supply my every need. And so I say, my God supplies all of my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My needs are met. My bills are paid. I claim what belongs to me. In Jesus' name. Satan, take your hands off my money. I command you to let it go. In Jesus' name. Angels, go and cause the word of God to come to pass. Cause the provision to come. The money to come into my life. In Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you. I give you all the praise. For you're the faithful God. The amazing, faithful God. I trust you every single day of my life. I trust you in all I do. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, you're a good God to us today. We thank you for being in our lives and helping us and directing our steps and ordering our lives in the right way. We purpose to put your word in our mouth today. To speak what you have provided and what you have said. And I thank you there's an operation at work. Even right now this very moment behind the scenes. And things are turning around for some. Others are coming up into a higher place. Walking in more than they've ever seen before. Thank you for your blessing in our lives today. For those who've come to church, Father, that have never been saved.